to the gardening program here on Midwest Radio on the Saturday the autumn morning. Gardening program. The autumn gardening program. <laughs> good morning, good morning. You're very welcome. Good back. morning, dear Jack. It's great, lovely to be back. Great to have you. Um, and okay, yeah, we'll start with that one. So because uh, we, when does autumn start? Exactly. Yeah. So I think you opened the Pandora's box on this a little bit earlier when you said to me, "When? What? What's your take on autumn?" So my take on autumn has on. always been, I suppose, this is going back to my primary school, and uh, my primary schooling would have been. Autumn is August, September, October. But I guess other people think it's September, October, November. Yeah. Well, but, but you say, well, when I, is your autumn? Well, autumn for As me al- always starts in September. I mean, if you think about it, even driving up this morning, the, you can see the lovely autumn foliage is beginning to the trees are beginning to release that lovely autumn foliage. The chlorophyll, unfortunately, is beginning to break down now with the cooler temperatures and shorter days. So autumn for me always starts on the 1st of September. I think uh, astronomers think it starts in August and, and our... our um, oh, so I was the astronomical our, side of things, yeah, was I? And, okay. and uh, our Met Aaron people tell us it starts in September. So I suppose it really depends. But look at, at the, in particularly here in Ireland, it's really September when we see the... The autumn colours, the autumn hues coming through and summer beginning to slip away. A lot of the summer flowering plants are beginning to not give up you just yet, but yeah. they're, they're certainly gone over their best. And, and autumn plants are coming in at the moment, the Virginia creepers and the liquid ambers and all those lovely autumn foliage plants are beginning to give colour. And it's the time for planting things like bulbs and seeds for next year. So for me, September is always the time for autumn. Having said that, the week is promised fantastic. We're pr- promised a kind of an, a mini Indian I mean, summer. I'll bring week. it on. So very little rain from, from really from today right through to the next weekend and um, some really nice sunny periods right through the week. So it's going to be fantastic autumn. Uh, planting yeah. weather and, and really good conditions. And really, I was kind of reflecting during this morning on the way up uh, in re- relation to the year, the overall year that we've had. And we've been blessed here in the west of Ireland that we've had, okay, we had a, quite a dry period for several yeah, weeks. Yeah, but I don't think really anybody minded terribly no, much it was fantastic. And, and plants have responded brilliantly to it. I mean, the amount, particularly fruiting plants, the amount of apples this year, pears, all the gooseberries, blackcurrants, blueberries are fruiting at the moment. So fruiting plants really did well. Plants that bear berries like the mountain ash is mm. covered in berries at the moment. Plum trees are weighed down with fruit this year. So it's been a, a, an exceptionally good year from the veg and fruiting and particularly plants that buried. The bees were able to get out finally it, from yeah. April right through. And they the weren't f- washed away the way no. they have been I suppose Exactly, well. that's exactly the point. That the, the thing about bees is that they actually need the dry weather to get on the wing. They'll, they'll stay inside with, on, on wet days and speaking to a lot of the beekeepers they've already harvested this year's crop. Some of them have been harvesting it as early as July. Um, so it's been a terrific year, bountiful year for Irish honey. Uh, so the bees have done their business. We can see the fruits of that on the literally the fruit trees and the, and the, the trees and the shrubs are burying really well. Things like pyracantha, cotoneaster, mountain ash, they're absolutely covered in, in berry at the moment. Um, but on the East Coast, it was a completely different story. So I have friends in Wicklow and Waterford. They've had a drought and, and trees. I was in actually a, a field of beans, uh, ordinary common or garden beans, but this was a, a 50 acre mm. field uh, two weeks ago. And what should have been a four foot high crop was only 12 inches. Oh, goodness. So it was. So does any kind of quarter of Absolutely. They were baling hay or baling straw they were getting only maybe a third of the crop that they normally get. So it's been, it's been a divide from Adlone that, West. Yeah, I always think there is a mythical line, you know, down the centre of the country in terms of yeah. uh, weather and lots of things. But yeah. 
so we've been really lucky lawns have done have done very well uh, this year you know again okay there was a small bit of dry period but overall people haven't had to cut the lawn as often which is a I blessing to be honest I was quite happy uh, to say oh well it's I don't mind that it's not growing all yeah, that fast at the exactly. moment. Exactly. And but but lawns have come back really well with a little bit of moisture. Mm. Um so overall it's been a really good gardening year and it has actually teed us up for a very good autumn because the moisture levels whilst that there is moisture in the soil mm. it's really good planting weather at the moment. So for listeners that are thinking of putting in hedges thinking about planting trees and shrubs in the garden and thinking about putting in new lawns, for example, the weather conditions could not be better. And with the week of dry weather coming uh, this this coming week, I would advise people if there are new bills or they want to repair a lawn area or they want to get some seed in now, this is the time of year to work that soil because the soil, you'll never get it as dry as it is at the moment. And if you can work the soil, put in the lawn seed, put in a little bit of fertiliser, you'll have actually got a really good established lawn before we hit winter. So things like autumn lawns should be tackled at this time of year. The sowing of lawns in particular, wildflower, if you fancy putting in maybe some wildflower meadow or or an area in the garden that you want to just kind of leave it back to nature. This is the time of year to sow the seeds of things like phacelia and poppies and cornflowers. Those wildflowers, they're available in packs at the moment. So if you want to do an area of the garden and maybe give it back to nature, this is the time to plant it. It's also the time for planting bulbs so all the spring bulbs are now available things like it's hard to believe it isn't it <laughs> the daffodils the snowdrops the, the, snow, yeah. the bluebells and I suppose gardening is all about that it's about that for, forward pl- planning the, the sowing and re- reaping principle what we sow now we reap in the spring so this is the time of year particularly for children I always think that bulbs are a great uh, project to get children interested in gardening because there are some lovely varieties like Red Riding Hood Pinocchio Goldilocks, some really clever names for different types of bulbs. Yeah, that generates the interest for young people. Exactly. And so for, uh, there's a variety called Pinocchio. In it. It's a tulip variety that only grows six or eight inches in height. It's got lovely variegated foliage and a variegated flower. It's red and white in the flower, but it only grows about eight to nine inches. So it's lovely for children to plant up in pots and containers, put on window boxes, for example, maybe some winter pansies. And over the spring, over the winter and spring, those bulbs start to grow. And, you know, within a couple of months, the kids can actually see something mm. that they've planted earlier. And, and bulbs are just so easy to grow. So all the different varieties of bulbs are available. Or if listeners have areas say that they've got ground cover like heather beds or cotoneaster why not plant those underneath those plants with some spring bulbs like February gold daffodils or jet fire which is one of my favourite the little dwarf bulbs that will flower in February and March and April and they'll die back into the soil the ground covering plants will cover them over and they come back up next year again and that's the beauty about most of the bulbs they self-propagate they come back year after year but this is the time of year to plant them right. we often get people coming into the garden centre in January and February mm. looking for spring flowering bulbs this is the time this is the cheapest time to plant them and the best choice and, and variety um, are available at the moment going back to the lawns uh, the feeding of lawns is important remember we spent most of last year talking about the moss problem yes. and, and all of that so now is the time to prevent that so listeners should be putting on and I suppose yeah the, and I suppose the fact that we had a dry summer it, it maybe has given people a little bit of a head start on the moss absolutely and that it hasn't maybe quite as been prolific as previous years yeah but I can see it beginning to creep yeah. back on patios I, saw, I can see it myself <laughs> yeah, I, saw, 
<laughs> it's never too no. far away, is it? No. The first drop of rain, of course, the moss just, just reignites again. So look, at the advice really is prevention is better than curing the problem. Do reflect back on, on the way your lawn was last March and April. But if you put on the zero now at this time of year and repeat it every two months through the winter period, you simply won't have moss. It's as simple as that. You'll also give a tonic to the lawn so you'll green it up and give it uh, a nice boost before winter. So really, when you're treating your lawns, it's that three-step process of putting on the zero to, to kill off and control any moss, mm-hmm. put on a, lo- a long-term feed like the Osmo, which greens the lawn without forcing growth, and do tackle the weeds. So after putting on the feed, it makes some of the broadleaf weeds soft, like the daisies and clover. And if you put on then something like dicoflar, say, say in two or three weeks' time, you'll control any broadleaf weeds as well. So autumn is a time for really getting the lawn healthy and keeping it healthy through the winter and avoiding the problems of moss in the spring. If moss obviously is in, on your patio and driveways, again, this is, treat it early, I suppose is my advice. Don't let it become a problem because moss starts to grow at this time of year and it spreads right through the winter and then it's a major problem in the spring. But nipping it in the bud in the autumn is really the way to control it. So, and again, the weather conditions will be ideal at the moment for that. The other key thing, and nature kind of tells us this, at, at this time of year, it's the time for sowing seeds. Seeds. Yes. Because if you look around you, what's happening? The holly is burying at the moment. The, the green bo- the berries are on holly. Things like the mountain ash have already produced uh, their berries. And lots of things like the whitethorn covered in berries this year. And many flowering plants are producing their seed. So lupins have seed on them at the moment. So this is, nature is actually telling us this is the time to sow seed. Yeah, I was so, in the, my friend's house and her mum has a gorgeous garden at the back and the nasturtiums are out in full full flower, flower. and they're starting to shed their seeds. So well, there you go. I went home with a packet, an envelope of nasturtium seeds. Brilliant. Yeah, and yeah. that's exactly the way to do it. And things like the hardy annual or the soft hardy annuals like nasturtiums that can be affected by frost, you leave the sowing of those until February. Right. So if you put them into a brown paper bag, stick them somewhere up on a shelf, leave them there, they'll go brown over the winter period and then you could sow those indoors in February, early March and plant of them course. out then once the risk of frost has Excellent. passed. But there's quite a range of seeds that can actually be sown directly into the garden now. soil now or you can sow it in seed trays. And the beauty is that the soil is very warm. So the soil, we often talk about the sea. The sea is warmest in September because it stores the heat like a storage heater and the soil is exactly the same way it stores the heat that we've had this summer it's quite warm so if you chuck some seeds on the ground they're going to come up within seven or eight days just like the weeds so it's a really good time for sowing the seeds not only of vegetable plants but also of flowering plants so speaking about autumn veg there are seeds like this particular carrot it's a variety called Eskimo okay so it's a winter variety So if you sow the seeds at this time of year, you'll use the young carrots by February, March of next year and they'll be fully grown by April uh, of next spring. So it's a really good variety, totally winter hardy. Irrespective of the weather we get, it does really well. And you'd probably, by sowing it now, you'd get some autumn use, some really young baby carrots from that as well. Other varieties, this is a great old variety of cabbage, Wheeler's Imperial. It's an old variety. It's cone-shaped like uh, greyhound, right. um, but a really good variety to sow at this time of year. Again, you can sow these directly into the garden soil. So if you're digging out your main crop potatoes or you're taking up some other vegetable plants, replace it with these guys. So you simply sow the seed onto the soil 
um, rake it in within 7 to 10 days they'll germinate and grow on and they'll grow right through September, October, November sort of period. So is that kind of coming into winter cabbage then? This is more spring cabbage spring so cabbage. we sow it now for yeah. spring use but you know so you can use it any time from February onwards as small greens or certainly by April it produces lovely uh, mature size hedge and, and cabbage can be you know expensive to buy at that time of year and, and you're buying obviously imported cabbage in, in many cases in April so that's a really good variety to grow others like winter jewel is another variety of cabbage it's slightly different more, more silvery uh, looking yeah more silver and it's a kind of a, a fuller hedge the Chinese cabbages of course can be sown at this mm-hmm. time of year as well things like cost lettuce radishes Swiss chard all of those can be sown kale for, for example can be sown from seed now I suppose the point I'm making is you know don't we think in autumn it's time to hang up the, the garden tools. It's well, really it's just time to harvest things. Yeah, and, well, it's yeah. it's also nature's time when nature is actually sowing its own seed, and that's a that's a trigger that we should remember. The planting of bulbs and then flowering plants like sweet peas can be sown now. Again, you can sow the seeds directly out of doors, or if you have got a spare windowsill somewhere, yeah. stick them into a seed tray, cover them with a little bit of cling film. Within seven to ten days, they'll have germinated. Let them grow on for a few weeks, and then plant them out of doors. And sweet pea is a hardy annual which means it will tolerate cold and frost so over that, the winter that will period. Take us a bit of, so that'll give us a bit of colour during the winter? No, it won't, no. no. The sweet pea then, this particular... It'll flower next next summer, okay. but it will be earlier than traditional by sowing it in February. And also, autumn sowing, uh, plants that are sown in the autumn, tend to be stronger, more robust, and the flowers are larger. Okay. So by sowing the sweet pea now, you'll actually get bigger, stronger blooms. And also you've got the perfect temperatures, because in February, it's going to be colder. Yeah. And so use September, I suppose. The point I'm making is use the heat in September, that, that, that residual heat that's in the soil, and also the warmer temperatures. I mean, we're going to get probably 14 degrees oh, today. Oh, it was 13 degrees so at 6 o'clock goes. this morning. So, so it's yeah. perfect conditions for the sowing of seed. If listeners have a, p- a piece of ground that, say, they're clearing out and they're not necessarily want to plant anything into it for the autumn, I always advise planting some uh, green manure. So. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's phacelia and there's things like uh, pea and, and rye and there's a whole range of, of seeds that are classed under green manure. Basically what they all do is add nutrition back into your soil. So it's a great organic way of getting natural nutrition back into your soil. Because they grow vigorously, they tend to suppress any weeds that are there. So it's a great way of keeping an area relatively weed-free, mm-hmm. tidy for the winter, but also adding that nutrition. So what you do is simply is you rake off the soil, sow the green manure seed, it germinates again within a week or 10 days' time. It'll grow during the autumn-winter period. So it'll give you maybe a foot or eight inches of foliage cover and then in springtime you dig that back into your soil and it adds nutrition and then you plant your potatoes or your cabbage or whatever you want to plant into it as well. But it's a great way of keeping an area free. The plant that you mentioned, Phacelia, that's great if, for, particularly if you want to encourage bees into the garden. It takes eight weeks for it to flower. Right. So if you sow it now, what will actually happen, it'll grow really well. You may get some flower before winter, but by next spring it'll come into flower in March and April and perfect time for keeping the bees happy. So Phacelia is really good. So look at the planting of bulbs, the planting of seeds in particular, particularly in the veg, fruit garden. Herbs can be planted this time of year. And many of our perennial plants like lupins, foxgloves, delphiniums, all those plants that come back year after year, sow them at this time of year from seed. It's a really cheap time to raise the plants. They're not going to flower until next summer, but they will flower next summer and every summer after that. So they're well worth planting. We have a 
bit of a range of colour in I brought a few plants, well. yeah. yeah I'm, I have to say, I'm going to start here because I'm fully intrigued. We have <laughs> a wonderful looking, uh, I think, I presume it's a chilli plant. It is a chilli plant. Yeah. and It's orange and with green leaves. It looks just stunning. So it's 100% edible. Okay, that was, so my, you... that was my first question. <laughs> Thank you. So first of all, you can use it for cooking. And believe me, I've tried them. <laughs> And so you only need one, is it? They are and hot, take, hot, take hot. Out the seeds. <laughs> yeah. They are super hot, but they're available at this time of year more as an ornamental plant mm. for autumn colour because the, this particular variety has this lovely orange uh, chili chili fruits. I mean, there must be at least fifty fruits on this particular plant. It must be. It's, it's fabulous. Yeah, and um, so this has been given great colour for the last number of weeks. The, the the green buds have changed to yellow and then to orange. Does it need a lot of sunshine? Well, uh, does it need a, a fairly? So you can plant it out. Can you branch it outside? Out, outside, outside oh, this, really? this time of year, yeah. So it's it's per- perfectly fine out of doors. It's really to give a blast of autumn colour. Ah. Um, so I would plant it in, in a patio pot with maybe some winter autumn flowering or winter flowering pansies, which are in flower at the moment. And that will give you colour right up until early November. And during that period, that eight or nine week yeah. period, you can be going out and, and harvesting your chillies and enough, use them. Yeah. yeah, so they're totally edible. They're actually very fleshy. So they're a particularly nice variety and um, lo- lovely autumn colour. So it gives you that sense of autumn, that pumpkin orange colour on the on the chilli. And can I just ask, because uh, I just associate chilli with hot countries, um, how frost hardy then is it or would it's, it have to come in? Zion? It will have to come in. So yeah. at the so around the end of October, early November, before we get into the depths of the cold winter, right. you bring it inside. Now, for people that are growing peppers and chilies yeah. in their own garden, they are perennial. So if, you've, if you're even just growing them in your greenhouse as a, as a uh, fruiting crop, if you cut them back, so what I would do in November is cut this plant back. It's about, I suppose, a foot, maybe a foot and a half at the moment. I would shorten it back to within six inches in November, keep it inside, bring it inside. Yeah. It'll reshoot again and you've got yourself a new chilli plant for next year. The same plant will come back next year, but it'll be twice the size in diameter and, and a little bit taller. So you can keep chilli plants from year to year. You right. don't have to chuck them out. But this is really used more for autumn colour to give a sense of autumn in your, in garden. your garden. So I would stick this outside the patio, yeah. coming into the house or whatever. These are the... Oh, the ornamental cabbages. Ornamental cabbages. So they're giving a lovely foliage colour. Again, they are edible, but they're more grown for the for the leaf colour. So again, if you want just something a little bit different, uh, maybe in a patio pot container, something low for a grave, even for a bit of winter colour. Mm. These are really hardy. Um, if anything, they get better as the winter intensifies. As we get into colder weather, you, the purple intensifies, so the green goes more to purple. Um, but they're nice as well, just for a splash of colour. And there's something different, yeah. and they come in shades of white, pinks and purples. And this is Teresa's favourite plant. The, it's one of the lanterns. It, it is. is. it the Chinese or the Chilean? Chinese I never lantern. know. <laughs> she has this plant growing in her garden for many years. Yeah. So um, this is beautiful. It's orange and green. It is. It's, it's got, it flowers in April. So, it can, so first of all, it's a perennial. It comes back year after year. Not to be mistaken with the chill, the the Chilean lantern, lantern. which a, is a shrub, okay. yeah, and flowers more in in May, June sort of mm, period. Mm. These are the Chinese lanterns, which is a herbaceous plant, which means in winter it dies back to nothing. So, in by no, late November, December, it's beneath the soil. But at this time of year, so it flowers in April, and this time of year, then it produces these lovely mini can, uh, lanterns. They're like uh, pumpkin-coloured yeah, lanterns. Beautiful. But look inside. There's a little fruit. Okay. So I've opened up the, the actual... The, the lantern itself? Yeah, the lantern. And it actually has a little red fruit, which once it turns red is edible. And it's actually related to the uh, Cape Gooseberry. You know the Cape Gooseberry yes, that you yes. get on desserts? Yes. 
They're exactly the same. They're in the same um, the Fe- same family. Yes. What's there's another name for that? Phycelius is, is, yeah. is the is the is the botanical same name for them. They're both in the same family and they produce the little berry right. in the autumn. Now. The berry is not to be ate until it goes red. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, so, but look, this plant <laughs> is more grown for its uh, orna- its ornamental <laughs> color, its <laughs> autumn color. It does spread, so it is a ground covering plant. So it does. You need a bit of space for this plant because it'll start to pop up. Uh, you know, so when you plant it, it's about about six or eight inches wide. Next year, it'll be twelve inches wide, eighteen inches wide, and so on. It actually okay. covers an area um, and spreads. Can't but it's a ground covering plant. It can take over. It can to a certain degree. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and they're right, Teresa. <laughs> so, so they're the sort of plants. Look at autumn yeah. planting. You have things like the violas, which are beginning to flower at the moment. The winter pansies, winter heathers are always great because I always think they're they're poorly named. They flower from autumn, winter, and well into spring, often flowering up until early May. So they're great to plant at this time of year. And again, heathers will grow in ordinary garden soil. You don't need to have acid or alkaline soil. But the winter heather varieties are particularly good. Um, and underplant them with with the spring bulbs that I mentioned, like the the uh, dwarf Delicious. tulips and the dwarf um, uh, daffodils. daffodils and snowdrops and all of, all of those will give great colour but there's other plants like the winter cyclamen as well which are just beginning to give lovely colour at the moment so yes. it's a really good time for planting um, I suppose that's a, the key point I also brought you one, one other yeah, one that other, we're going to cover this, and then we'll take a quick break this is the um, ornamental grasses which yes. this is one of the evergreen grasses which I think are always lovely they've got this lovely purple foliage so the stark green change to purple and particularly as the winter intensifies as we get into colder weather the colour in this plant actually goes a rich deep purple now after the after our programme here at 10am I'm going to be on Horkin's Facebook page uh, just to do a a face live and people can actually see the plants so I'll bring them back into studio and show them the plants over face live so if you want to jump on after 10 o'clock onto uh, Horkin's Facebook page you can join me there and we'll answer any questions that I didn't cover that I can get to today's programme uh, first out of the blocks this morning uh, a leather jacket so as you mentioned lawns probably maybe looking a bit hungry in spots if they haven't been fed and uh, people have problems with leather jackets and this is uh, the time of year how so, do we go about removing so, them well yeah because the leather jacket is first of all is the larvae of the daddy long legs the crane fly and they lay the eggs at this time of year and will generally lay when once the, the grass is moist so it is something to keep an eye out and if you don't control the leather jackets now they continue to feed all winter and they pupate and and, um, mature then the following spring. So they're feeding right through the winter period. So the way to control them, and this is a great time of year to do it, is to put on the nematodes. So there's a specific nematode for leather jackets. The soil temperatures are perfect at the moment. So you simply get the nematodes, mix them in a watering can, apply them to the areas that are affected, and you'll generally see a yellowing or a discoloration of the lawn, the patches within the lawn where the leather jackets are, because what they're physically doing is eating the roots of the grass and affecting them. So the nematodes is probably the safest way to apply them. You can also use um, an insecticide called Provado uh, bug control as well that will control them on on lawns as well. But really the nematodes is probably one of the best and most effective way of doing it. Excellent. Um, And you can do that over the next, over September really. Right through September the nematodes can be used. While the temperatures temperatures are warm. They work very effectively. I have four shrubs which were planted in the completely wrong place a few years ago. Would it be okay for me to pull them out and replant them in another place in the next few days, says John? So they're planted a few years ago. Yeah. Right, so okay. Well, well look, yeah, ideally, John, they shouldn't be moved until they go into the dormant season in November. So I would leave them, if you can at all possible, to the middle of November when they're completely dormant, then lift them and transplant them. Having said all that, if you need to move them, if it's an urgency, uh, you know, requirement and they have to be moved kind of this week, then 
dig as much of the root ball as you can. So go out at least a foot right around with a sharp spade, remove and lift a whole root ball with the plant and transplant them. And um, you'd give them the best opportunity, obviously give them a good heavy soaking afterwards. But ideally, plants should not be moved until the middle of November. Once they go completely dormant, they're safe to move from November right through to the following March. Now, uh, going back to the springtime pouring, uh, somebody had a question about um, uh, quite a lot of fruit on a plum tree and we okay. had received a photograph at the time. So, update on the oh, uh, yes. harvest of oh, it was plums. a question that yeah, we had, right. Yeah. Okay. So we, the advice was given <laughs> and they supported it with ropes. It had a massive yield and uh, we've got a photograph of Moroccan pickled sour plums uh, with, the, uh, with the June drop. So, oh, uh, brilliant. just to say welcome back. So, Thank you very much for sending that so in. There's they a jar of that on, on yeah, its way to me, is there? Yeah, well, I see four jars here, and I'd say that's only the tip, my name tip, of the, tip of the iceberg. Anyway, um, and, it, and it's been a brilliant year for plums. Mm. Now, the, the the only disadvantage with the trees fruiting so well this year, and apples are the same; they're nearly bowed over with the amount of fruit in them. You might find next year they'll skip a year of fruiting. Okay. So, trees that fruit and bear heavily in one year can often miss a year. So we could have a question in in a year's okay, time. So don't be too disappointed. <laughs> don't be sending yourself up for That can sometimes happen. But okay. yeah, it's been a terrific year for fruit. I, I'd love to know what the Moroccan element of the sour, pickled sour plums is. So if you feel like uh, throwing we'll that out, please that. do. Really. Sounds fantastic. <laughs> um, now, uh, how and when to prune a young gooseberry pork? Okay, well, gooseberries, gooseberries can be... Um, you can actually do some pruning now, to be honest, um, so, young plant, you're just removing it. It'll probably have made it a foot of growth this year. So, shorten that back to within six inches. Um, so, cut back the, the, the leading shoot, the, the strong shoot by six inches, and any side shoots that the plant has, trim those back within half an inch of the main stem. So, you're actually giving them a kind of a good tidying back. So, that can be done at this time of year. The other thing with most fruit trees, it would be advisable to put a bit of potash on them now, a small tub of sulfur of potash. Potash is the, is the element that builds flower and, and strength into the trees. So if you put potash on it, it slows down the growth, first of all, and induces plants to produce flower buds rather than growth buds. And you tend to get better flowering, hence better fruiting next year. So tidy them back, shorten back the leader by at least, at least six inches and the side shoots shorten them back within half an inch of the main stem and put on some potash and it'll be perfectly happy. Now, it's harvest time again. Can I save my beetroot and my onions? They uh, look, My onions look saved, but the necks of them are still damp. Well, ideally, onions need to be really, really dry. So if you can give them another couple of, uh, maybe another week or 10 days in a greenhouse or somewhere that you could actually keep them dry, but but let the air at them to dry them out. That's important because onions will rot if, there, if there's any wetness in them. Um, so dry them as much as possible. So I would give them at least another week or 10 days. Remember that this week is going to be dry. So let them at the sun or put them into a greenhouse or somewhere like that or an open shed and let the wind at them to dry them up and then store them. Beetroot will generally you need the opposite. For beetroot, it's better to keep it slightly damp so keeping it stored in um, damp sand is is the uh, the ideal thing you shouldn't cut off the foliage uh, too close to the the actual uh, root of the of, of beetroot because yeah. they bleed they they'll actually lose oh, quite a bit of sap yeah. it's often better just to twist off the any the kind of the top foliage and then just leave the beetroot clean it off and then put it into something like damp sand for the winter and it'll store perfectly well because you have a lot of moisture in beetroot really there is. when you think about it yeah. yeah but they need to be kept moist where the onions need uh, need a drying need to be quite dry before you store them now uh, I question I need to cover eight foot high walls around my garden I eight want foot. ever right. yeah evergreen flowering climbers or okay. something to give cover all year ideally flowering or berries what's good 
Okay, well, there's, there's quite a number of evergreens. So, first of all, you're going to need something vigorous to get to eight feet. So, um, there's a lovely clematis variety called Winter Beauty, which is an evergreen clematis. So, many, most of the clematis varieties that we know are deciduous, the shedder leaves. But that one is particularly nice, Winter Beauty. It's got a very large foliage, glossy green foliage that it retains 12 months of the year. And as the name suggests, it actually flowers through the winter. Winter Beauty. It produces small white flowers at each each leaf axle. So it produces flowers literally from ground level right to the top of the plant. And it's quite a vigorous variety of clematis. So that's one called Winter Beauty. It's a really nice one. It's evergreen with white flowers. Um, another lovely plant is one called Tracheospernum jasminoides, which is the name jasminoides tells you it's like jasmine. Um, so which it is. It flowers during the summer. It retains its leathery green leaves 12 months of the year. The, the reason I like that particular plant is that it, um, it's green in summer. And then as we come into winter, and particularly the colder the winter gets, the leaves go to a beautiful red colour like a Virginia creeper. So it's like an evergreen Virginia creeper. So Tracheospernum jasminoides. Um, there's no common name for it. So think of jasminoides. It's evergreen. So it's green foliage, spring, summer and early autumn. Autumn through winter, um, it turns a brilliant shade of red. I mean, literally the colour of a Virginia creeper. Mm. And it'll grow 8 to 10 feet, no problem. It also produces beautiful jasmine-like flowers in the summer. So what's not to like? So, so tracheospernum jasminoides, that's a really good one. It'll grow 8 feet, no problem. And I'd also plant the clematis um, winter beauty. Both of those you could plant together. And they'd work really well together because the jasmine flowers in the summer, the winter beauty flowers in the winter. Now, you have other evergreens like pyracantha, ceanotus, um, some of the cotoneaster varieties are evergreen as well. Um, so they're all, all quite good. There's some evergreen uh, honeysuckles as well. But for me, the tracheospernum and the clematis winter beauty mixed together would be two. It would look really well. Scent, colour, foliage colour, 12 months of the year. The whole, the whole good lot. mix, yeah. Now, my window box flowers are dying, but I will I, will I cut the heads off them or how far down the stem should I cut? Well, you, yeah, I mean, look, they, by cutting them back, it's kind of a bit late to expect them to come back into flower. I mean, the listener probably has the marigolds or petunias or something mm. like that. To be honest, what I would do, if there are only a couple of window boxes, I would replant them now with some autumn winter colour. So things like the, the plants I mentioned before, the winter flowering violas, winter flowering pansies, cyclamen would be brilliant. Some of the primroses are available at the moment. Winter heathers would be ideal. And underplant all of those with some spring bulbs. So the Red Riding Hood, the Pinocchio, Crocus Goldilocks would be lovely. Plant some of those as well. And you've set yourself up with colour from now right through then till April, early May of next year. Because the winter pansies and violas are in flower at the moment. And cyclamen are in bloom at the moment. So I would plan for autumn now. Um, I planted a bed in my own house two weeks ago and I planted it all with winter colour. Okay. So, you know, we've it's just gone that tad a little bit late for um, trying to expect the summer bending to come back. We'd really want a good Indian <laughs> autumn for that to happen. Always optimistic. Now, I sprayed uh, some weeds with SPK a few weeks ago, Park, okay, and it doesn't seem to have worked. Oh. I made up the correct strength, says John. Okay. <laughs> I don't Very, know, John. It should. Go it again, maybe. Okay, well, the thing with SPK, first of all, to remember, it doesn't kill grass. Right. 
right? So that's the first thing. So it won't kill any of the grass species. Its SPK is used, it's mainly used on woody plants like killing old tree stumps or things like nettles, briars, Japanese knotweed. It's very effective on all of those. Um, so, so the first thing to bear in mind is that it kills broadleaf weeds, not grasses. So if it was sprayed on grass, they'll, it'll still remain as green as ever. Um, don't expect the grass to die. So, but certainly, John, I would recommend applying it. SPK is a good, it is a good weed killer. It's very effective, particularly on woody plants it's effective at this time of year so it should have worked for you so if it's particularly broadleaf weeds docks um nettles briars that sort of thing it's very effective so i'd reapply okay. reapply dry weather you know um the sort of the weather we're going to have in the next 10 days and actually weed killers work extremely effectively in the autumn period because the plants are beginning to naturally die back so the sap is returning to the to the soil and for many plants that fl- are in flower and producing seed they're actually at their weakest point because they put so much energy into the flowering and and producing fruit yeah. or, or seed so they're actually at a vulnerable state in the autumn so autumn the spring of, of most uh, weed killers is very very effective in the autumn period but give the SPK a go but remember it won't kill grass uh, my friends gave us a holly cutting a few years ago Great. which we planted there are no berries on it. Can I plant another one beside it so it gets berries? You can. No, the thing is with, with hollies, they're, they're male and female. Mm. So it'll be very hard to know which variety uh, the listener or which, is it a male or a female right. that the listener has. So, um, Is there a way of detecting? Not really, okay. because the flowers are, are so insignificant. Now, what I would say is, what I would advise is plant a self-fertile variety. So there are varieties like Jay-Z Fantal, which is a, a self-fertile, it bears fruit on its own. So you don't need to have two or three partners with it. Um, or else plant a male and a female. So a variety like Golden King is a, is a lovely, it's actually a female variety, even though it's called Golden King. Don't ask me why. Um, but it, uh, I have it in my own garden. It's a variegated variety. It produces beautiful red berries and the birds dislike them. So the birds, are, the, the berries are still on the plant from last year. Uh, so you know it, it's yeah it's, it's hard to believe isn't it so that's a really good one Go, uh, Golden King uh, Silver Queen is also an excellent variety or JC Van Tal so maybe plant a male and a female or plant that self-fertile variety um, and and see what happens Okay great we're going to take a break just before that a comment from somebody just in relation to our discussion about when autumn begins um, they say keeping an eye on the road will let you know when autumn begins because the caterpillars will be travelling back and over looking for a place to hibernate oh, yeah. and two weeks ago that travelling back and over the road started Started there, so there you go, go. Thank That's you very nature much tells us absolutely A couple of questions coming in on hydrangeas pork and I, I know we might do them in fair detail maybe next week or the week next after week, yeah yeah, because um, we're just, I suppose, the first programme back trying to cover a good few things. But we have one photograph in on WhatsApp um, and it's a bit, I suppose, shook looking for want of a yeah. better phrase. Somebody wondering, what should I do with this hydrangea? It never grew in the middle this year. Helen, good morning. Well, the thing you. with, with hydrangeas, I mean, it's in the name, hydro and water. Hydrangeas need copious amounts of water and they suffer this year, particularly when they come into flower. And you'd, you'll often hear me saying this, that plants that when they're in bloom use twice or three times as much water as they do when they're physically growing, when they're just in the vegetative or mm. green stage. And hydrangeas are exactly in that class. They need uh, a very moist, retentive soil. And this year, during the middle of the summer, with the hose ban, many of them have suffered. And the flowers have gone off early. Um, now, having said that, 
there are hydrangeas that look beautiful this year yeah, as well. Yeah, there were some stunning Yeah, stunning so, so um, but really, you know, this hydrangeas did suffer from the, the lack of, of water and this year, particularly if your ground is, is um, if they're in competition with other plants or if it's anyway sandy or, or free draining, they're going to suffer. Look, at, there's nothing really you can do for the rest of the year. Just let the, let the, let the flowers fade. The pruning of hydrangeas is done in the springtime um, so leave them alone really until we hit kind of February, March of next year if they're the macrophylla type the kind of common mop head uh, hydrangea, you leave them alone for the winter. We prune them in February and March and just by removing the old flowering shoots. So there's nothing really the listeners can do. Having said that the paniculata varieties, which I know you have one in your garden. So I have Annabelle. Annabelle, beautiful variety. Yeah, yeah. Really, really nice. Stunning. But most of them, like, there's varieties like Phantom, Bobo, Vanilla Freeze. Vanilla Freeze is a lovely variety. That's the pinky, pinky yeah. white. Well, vanilla one. is white. Freeze is, is the French for strawberry, isn't it? Yep. And so you get this beautiful white flower which turns to red. They're beginning to turn red now at the moment. They give this lovely strawberry colour. So all the paniculata varieties did superbly well this year. They're absolutely a picture and huge amount of flower colour. Lovely. Say, yeah, you know, yeah, they really, yeah. really are, are good. So so they're still giving a lot of colour. And they're a variety of hydrangea that are they're not as well known and people haven't planted them as much. We see lots of the mop head varieties that you see in Ackle and Newport and lots of gardens, mm. uh, particularly in seaside gardens. But the um, paniculata family, uh, they flower like roses. So in the winter you prune them back to literally nothing. nothing yeah. And then they re-emerge and they flower on the young growth. So they're very easy to care for but they're also, I think, more spectacular. They colour. are spectacular and I took the cheap option uh, for a couple of su- summer birthdays this year and I arrived with bunches of the, flowers. the Annabelles and oh, they yeah. went down a tree. Oh, they're fantastic. Yeah. I mean, should the flowers are the size of a dinner plate. 40 or 50 blooms yeah. on, on, on uh, four or five shrubs. Uh, so, yeah, I... I it turned out to be quite a, a less expensive birthday gift for me for a few people. But and uh, they're, they're absolutely brilliant, Annabelle. And easy enough to propagate from cuttings. You could take a few cuttings this autumn if you wanted and you'd have presents for, for next for year. Next year. <laughs> um, but there are other varieties. Annabelle can be quite big. It can be, you know... No, they are huge. They yeah. are, they are, some of them are like dinner plates. Yeah, yeah. the flowers on them. Mm. But there are other varieties then like Phantom, Bobo, Vanilla Freeze. And there's one called Inky Pinky that, that changes colour as oh, well. Really? So there's loads of different varieties. They're all called, they're all in the panicula family and I would highly advise people to plant them in their garden they're, they're absolutely stunning before I forget yes. Deirdre I have to mention that I'm, I'm actually a, a guest speaker next Thursday uh, I think it's the 6th of September if memory serves me right down at the uh, Autumn Harvest Festival on, in Strait Okay, very good. And uh, Andy Morden is on, on actually before for me talking about health and well being and fitness and yep. all that. And I have to follow him at nine a.m. or nine p.m. I should say nine p.m. in the evening um, with a talk on autumn gardening. So if people are around the Strait area next Thursday, uh, the sixth of um, September at nine o'clock, eight or nine o'clock, drop in. Um, it's in the, the it's there at, at the church yes. as far, far as I remember. It's at the church, and um, I'll be speaking on on autumn gardening. And come along. Okay. We'll get some autumn. I'll show you some really good autumn gardening plants, but also tips. And we talk, chat about bees as well, because it's, it's just the time to be looking after them. So I have a, a little presentation for autumn gardening. So that's next Thursday at 9 p.m. Uh, in the Strait, and it's part of their autumn 
Harvest Festival. Fantastic. Well, I'd say there'll be Looking a forward to big it already. turnout for that. Absolutely. Right, back to a couple of questions before we wrap up. Ten minutes or so to go before the ten o'clock mark. I have a beach hedge, Porrick, two years old. It's never been cut or trimmed. When should I start trimming it? And does it need feeding, asks Mary. Mary should have started trimming I it two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, look at um, and look at the thing about beaches and, and most hedging plants, people tend to plant them and then leave them alone because they don't want to be nipping them back and trimming them. And the trouble is that you go out now, Mary, and look at the answer to your question is, look, trim it now. Give it a light trimming back now. Take six or eight inches off the plant on the top and the sides to help to thicken it out. The trouble is that you're actually going to be wasting all that six or eight inches of growth. So normally when you plant beech in its first year, I always advocate taking the top, taking two, one to two inches off the top of the plants and trimming the sides by the same amount because you're only wasting then an inch of growth. But what that physically does, it encourages the beech hedge to fit in together, to knit in together because all plants, once they're planted, head vertically. They try to grow as tall as they can because the, the plants that we use for beech hedging are no different to ordinary beech trees. So it's exactly the same plant, except one is trimmed and the other one is let grow quite tall. But the nature nature is trying to get the plants as tall as possible. So when you plant hedging plants, take out the leading shoots, take out the side shoots. And that applies to things like um, laurel, griselinia, escalonia, all the common hedging plants that we use that you want a nice bushy hedge. Trim from the day you plant is always my advice. Now, Mary can go out today, trim it back, tidy it up. Don't feed it until next spring. So leave it alone. It's coming to its dormant season. And uh, so just tidy it up. Take any weeds from the base of it and then leave it alone. And next spring then get your little bit of fertiliser out in March and April and feed it. And I would prune that hedge again probably the middle of July. Give it a very, very light trimming back. All you're doing is removing the leading shoot and that then releases the side shoots to fill out and bunch out for you. Uh, I've taken Verbena borensis cuttings. They're just one long stem. Should I cut them to make them bush out of it? Yes, you should. Same same thing applies okay. with the with the Verbena boreensis. That's a lovely plant. It's a great bee plant. It's a perennial, lovely cut flower. Now there's a plant that will go really well with your Annabelle hydrangea because okay. it's got this lovely purple. Uh, I'm writing it down. Yeah, <laughs> Verbena boreensis. It's a perennial. Comes back year after year. Uh, it produces these lovely intense purple flowers. Okay. Right through the summer, they're still in flower at the moment. If you deadhead them, they'll flower well into early winter. You can propagate them from cuttings. You can propagate them from seed. And you'll often find a few seedlings popping up around the garden, but not in an invasive way. And the purple would contrast beautifully with the Annabelle, with the white Annabelle and the purple Boreensis together as cut flowers. So you'll even do better next year with these (laughs) (laughs) So there's definitely one. But yeah, great time to take cuttings. But all cuttings take the leading shoot out. That's very important because the plants will bush out and branch out then after that. Somebody's wondering, can you get a thermometer to check the moisture in houseplants? You can. No, I'm not sure how we got them in stock and I will check that when we go back to the store. But they are available. They're a simple uh, probe that you literally put into the compost and it gives you a little on the little dial that gives you a digital uh, reading of the, the moisture levels. So um, they should be available. I'll check in the garden centre for the customer and... and uh, We'll have news next week. We'll come back to you yeah. on that. Um, now, somebody's wondering about their box hedge. It's three years old. It has blight. They sprayed it once this summer with top boxes. Is there any point in spraying again? Yeah. As I believe this is a more preventative measure. Or is there anything else out there I can use? No, there isn't really anything else. Well, there are things like fungus clear, which again is another fungicide. The thing about the top box treatment is that it's, bo- it's got both a fungicide and a feed in the plant. And that's really what boxwood need when they have that boxwood blight. Um, a great 
great time to treat it is this time of year because it tends to spread during wet periods, kind of, you know, humid, wet. Mm. Even the dew at night time on boxwood helps to spread it. So I think, you know, to be honest, the listener probably could have sprayed it once or twice at this stage rather than just the, the, the one treatment. But yeah, I'd repeat it again at this time of year, maybe treat it again during the winter in December and then the following spring again. So you're preventing the problem occurring. The foliar feed is giving the plants a bit of a tonic and a bit of a boost as well, which they'll need. And really all boxwood should, should get a dressing of that because it is quite common. Uh, now, a couple of questions about apples and uh, birds, picking them and wasps uh, yeah, eating them. And it's that time of the year, I suppose. Nature, uh, so somebody's picked the apples off the tree because the birds were picking them. Yes. When do I prune back? Are we, are we? You could you could prune now. You can leave it to November if you wish, but you can also prune back at this time of year. There's no problem whatsoever. So once you've taken the heart off them, and I would advise people, particularly with red apples, varieties like Beauty of Bath, L Star, Katie, take those because the, the, the birds are just going to hoover them in the next um, next week or 10 days. So take them off, store them in a, in a dry, ideally wrap them up in newspaper, dry, cold, garage sort of place, mm. and then prune back your tree. So any of the whippy growth that the plants made this year, reduce that back by two-thirds. So if it made a foot of growth, you're shortening it back to within kind of three or four inches from the main stem. So kind of tidy it well back. Um, and as we go through, once the leaf falls then in November, a good idea is to put on a little bit of winter wash, which is a, a simple treatment you put on the trees to prevent any bugs for next year. Okay. But do harvest the fruit. Great time of year for planting fruit as well. Autumn, this time of year for planting new trees. Um, pots on my patio they're looking a little tired uh, I think I let the plants dry out <laughs> okay. Did you? What what a plant now for some autumn colour? Well, we we mentioned lots of the plants there. So going back, I mean, if you want even simple things like the peppers that I showed you, or the chilies, I should say, the yeah. the autumn chilies are lovely. They look super. The the, the grass, this penstemon grass, which is lovely, which I think gives that's lovely, fabulous. Yeah, yeah, and it gives colour twelve and it's months of the year. Got loads of different textures because it's got the it little has. furry the, bit, whatever. You the little flower seeds. Yes, These are the flower seeds, seeds that are coming on you. it, and then it's got green and purple uh, in the colour, and that will co- stay right through the winter and it'll actually intensify mm. the ornament cabbages that we chatted about, the violas, the pansies, the cyclamen, the spring bulbs. Look, there's loads to plant up now. I've just put up a new wooden fence. I'd like to put up a creeper to cover it. I suppose the creepers we talked about a little bit earlier. Well, some of the ones, yeah. Yeah. And remember, a timber fence, you see, is not going to be there forever. So you want to be putting up something that's going to be robust. I would think maybe pyracantha would be a good choice. See, you notice that it makes a lovely uh, walled plant as well. It's quite shrubby. Um, The tracheospernum I mentioned, you know, I'm a big fan of that myself. And the evergreen clematis are all all quite good. Uh, Something has attacked the leaves of my geraniums. This has never happened before. We well, might need a photograph on that, might we? We could do, but but look at, I mean, you're going to get bits of... I was actually admiring, I have a geranium um, roseanne in the garden. It's a lovely blue variety and it's absolutely stunning at the moment. It's been flowering since early June and, it, and no sign of it going out of flower yet. Look, you, you'll always get a little bit of slug or snail damage on geraniums. Um, it could be a little bit of vine weevil, adult vine weevil damage on the leaf as well. Geraniums are tough and hardy. I would leave it alone. If the listener wants to send in a picture, we'll identify what the pest is. But a bit of slogan snail damage is no harm. Like we part, can accept that. Part and parcel part of and gardening. And geraniums are so vigorous. These are the herbaceous geraniums, I guess, that the listener is talking They'll about. That come back year after year. So they're perfectly fine. Um, can you ask, Boric, what would you do with laurel hedge plants in that are in a few months, but they're not growing too good and their leaves are going yellow? Well, look at laurels, you know, if the listener, first of all, if the listener plants them potted, if they were potted plants, which I would expect them to be, they really shouldn't be going yellow unless they got very dry. 
and you know it, we've had a reasonable amount of rain so I'm surprised that they're yeah. actually going yellow now what I would do is give them a liquid feed so you could get something like the Osmo and a liquid universal feed and apply the, apply it now that'll help to green them up again maybe let the listener send in a picture of the plants they shouldn't be really going sometimes when you plant laurel particularly bare root plants they go back a little bit before they come forward they kind of get a little bit of a check but potted plants um, very seldom get any check to the growth so they, they generally just take off straight away so unless they got dry um, we've had enough rain kind of in the last week or 10 days to, to rectify that a liquid feed foliar feed will help to boost them back laurel are tough as old boots so are, I, I yeah. don't expect them to uh, be anything yeah. detrimental to the plants but look at if the listener wants to send take a picture send it into garden at midwestradio.ie and we'll take a look we'll at it during it the week there. Yeah. absolutely absolutely Park, we're going to have to leave it there i'm afraid time against well, us. remember two things i'm in uh strayed yep. next thursday at 9 p.m and i'm also on our hawkins face live so if you go onto our facebook page tune in there i'll be answering the remainder of the questions okay. Which was about, we only got to about a third of them. Okay, well, we'll do a third more maybe. And uh, I'll answer those questions live on air. And okay. I'll also show people some of the plants we chatted about. It's worth ch- checking in because uh, it's uh, a really fantastic colour today. That's it uh, from us for this morning. Stand by. Michael Leary is live at Riverfest in Foxford after the news at 10, which is on the way next until next Saturday morning. Uh, just after 7 from me, Deirdre Kelly, have yourselves a great weekend. Good morning to you.